Hey, what up, Q? What up, Radio World? We got something to move tonight, and we start the whole fucking thing off. Help me, anything move, we knock out. Let's go. Don't play intramurals, brother. But they are who we thought they were. You play to win the game. You don't play to just play it. You play to win. Do you have any questions? I got a question. You got any excuses tonight, Roy? All of you to another edition of Zone Coverage on T2Q. My name is Q. This is my podcast, and we're talking mainly the NFL today, and we handle it uh, like we always do every week. So um, we're going to hit a few of these games from last week. We'll preview next week and get into any other news discussions that we have to have. So first of all, I want to welcome on two of my show legends. I got. My man Ray up there in the Garden State of New Jersey. What's up, Ray? What's up, Q? What's up, Buck? Radio World. All right. I got the homie Buck down in Pensacola, Florida. What's going on, Buck? What's up? What's going on, Ray? Q? All right. Let's go ahead and jump into it, man. No time to lie. Go straight to the body bag. We'll start off with New England 30. The New York Jets, 14. New England goes to 3-0, and um, they pretty much controlled this game from the start. 20-0 halftime lead, 30-7, or 30 to nothing, with three minutes in the third quarter before the Jets finally got on the board and got a couple of cosmetic touchdowns. But uh, Tom Brady, you know, he did his thing, 306 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions or sacks. Uh, they didn't do much running the ball, at least not consistently. Josh Gordon had 83 yards receiving. Julian Edelman, 62 yards and a touchdown. Philip Dorsett, 53 yards and a touchdown. And uh, Buck, the Patriots keep on rolling. I mean, Luke Falk, third-string quarterback, really wasn't a match for Bill Belichick and, and that defense. And uh, they held the Jets to just 105 total yards. That's ridiculous. 105 total yards. They almost had as many penalty yards as they did total yards. Uh, so, wow. And six first downs. So, uh, I mean, what is it going to do to start to stop the Patriots? Because they're like a machine right now. I don't know if there's anything that can stop them. I mean, they're on a whole nother level this year. Their defense is just lights out. And it's. I, I just. I don't know if there's anybody that can. I mean, that's another thing that even can match what they're going to be. Um, and I don't think often they'll hit. So, 
kind of scary what they're doing right now. Okay. And Ray, Tom Brady doesn't appear to be slowing down. Um, even though Josh Gordon really is kind of their number one receiver, he's still spreading that ball around. You can never get a fix on who's going to be the hot hand when it comes to running the ball because Belichick rotates running backs like Pimp rotates hookers. Um, so, I mean, you can't really just draw a bead on that team. It's almost like they don't have an identity, even though we all know their identity really is Tom Brady. Well, I think they have an excellent system. And the guys who do so late really fit the system. It doesn't matter if they're a guy from a small college, a big college, or a guy's a late-round draft pick, or even a guy that you may have never heard of before. And Belichick is just simply the best ever at doing that. When you think about all the people that they lost over the years to the free agency or retirement or, you know, suspensions or whatever you want to call what happened with Antonio Brown, these guys keep rolling because they have a system. And if you can fit their system, I mean you just can't stop that machine. I mean, it would have been great to have Antonio Brown. It would have been kind of like when Randy Moss was there, he was just like he was playing a video game. Antonio Brown would have put up big numbers as well. But as you can see, he's not necessary for them to win. He may have put them over the top where they just blowing out everybody, but New England is just something that we haven't seen before. I don't think the NFL has ever seen before. Certainly not in our lifetimes we've seen before. That they can plug and play guys in. Usually we had dynasties like the last dynasty was uh, the Cowboys. But all them guys on offense and everything, offensive line and all, them guys in the Hall of Fame. When you think about Brady and Belichick, who's going to the Hall of Fame with him over that period of time. You know what I mean? It, it, it's just incredible. So people want to say, oh, it's their division is this and that. When they step outside of the division, they give everybody that work. I mean, is, is their championship to lose? I think that uh, Kansas City has enough to give them some work come playoff time. But right now, it's, it's going to be hard to beat the Patriots because older Brady gets, the more focus he gets. And he's already was a focus, one of the most focused athletes that it, that it ever was. But now that you know he's getting older and people say, well, this is the year he's going to fall off and everything else, he's trying his best not to let that be so. So I think they're going to they gonna keep rolling for a while this year. It appears that way. Um but uh, but I will say this: they got two linemen hurt. I, I think Isaiah Wynn is hurt, and somebody else. I think the center is hurt. But I mean, they always plug guys in. They did that with Trent Brown, and guy made sixty something million dollars just off of being, you know, seven round draft pick. So it, it's possible they can plug somebody else in. Yeah, it seems like whatever they does, whatever I mean, whatever they do works, and uh, they they they're a machine. I will say that they are a machine, and uh, 
Belichick and Brady may be the only two on that team right now that go to the the Hall of Fame, but um, it's amazing how much success they've had. All right, moving on. Minnesota 34, Oakland 8, excuse me, Oakland 14. The Vikings upped their record to 2-1. and one. They were playing at US, U.S. Bank Stadium. The Raiders fall to 1-2. and two. And Vikings had control of this game from the jump, jumping out 21 to nothing um, by the 11-minute mark in the second quarter. And the Raiders got on the board a few minutes later. But um, it got up to 34-7 to seven before the Raiders scored with, with a minute left. Um, so this game was, was never in doubt. Minnesota looked really good. They got 211 yards rushing. Uh, so that's where they spent the majority of their time running the ball. Uh, the Raiders only got 88 yards rushing. They really weren't able to get anything on the ground. Seven penalties for 84 yards, three for 11 on third down. And, uh, Derek Carr, 27 of 34, which is a good completion percentage, for 242 yards, two touchdowns, one interception, but he was sacked four times. Josh Jacobs had 44 yards on 10 carries. And Darren Waller, the tight end, has been killing it. 13 catches, 134 yards. Can't nobody stay with him. But, uh, Ray, what did you see um, as a downfall for the, the Raiders? Uh, it just can't, it's not like y'all can get anything going on the ground consistently. You know, I think Josh Jacobs is a good running back. But, uh, you know, Minnesota's defense is pretty tough. Oh, yeah, Minnesota definitely has a tough defense. Josh Jacobs was sick all week. He lost 10 pounds, but he came out and he played anyway. And I think that um, it's just, just too many injuries. Not to say that Minnesota still may not be a more talented team than we are because they are very talented, especially on defense. But Minnesota has Dalvin Cook. And right now, Dalvin Cook, to me, is stepping better than any running back in the league. Maybe not Christian McCaffrey all the way around. But as far as just hitting that hole and going, I don't see nobody doing it better right now. And it was just too much Dalvin Cook. And then their defense was awesome. I mean, we have uh, Gabe Jackson. A lot of people don't realize that Gabe Jackson is a really big part of our offensive line. Trent Brown is our right tackle, and he's he was hurt, and he's you know the highest paid lineman ever. So you know he's playing well when he's on the field, but he had a knee injury, and he ended up going out of the game during the game. So, and then I don't know if Richie Incognito came back or not, but if he did, that was his first game back. So we just have a lot of injuries, and then outside of Waller and you know Hunter Winfrey, I don't think we use them enough at wide receiver and slot. We will now because we cut Ryan Grant today. So kids making plays when they throw on the ball, but they throw on the ball more often. And uh, Tyrell Williams, he really was pretty much a non-factor because. You know, he had his Xavier Rose over there, but we just need more weapons. In a game like this, we needed Antonio Brown. So we were just kind of outmatched, and it's it's going to be a rough schedule for us. We had 48 days in between home games, which is crazy, and we playing somebody every single week. So I know we won in two, 
But a lot of teams that played Kansas City and Minnesota, they would have lost those games as well. So, I mean, it's, we, I, we can't make no excuses. I think we just need to get healthy. Jonathan Abram, that's huge. I think he's the hardest hitting safety since uh, Sean Taylor. Oh, yeah. And you can't say that lightly. The guy had tore his labrum in the first game, and he came out the second half laying people out. When he put our our, our cornerback out and threw a free injury, uh, you know, sideline, he spent over in his body, hit the guy in the head, Garen Conley in the head. He had tore his labrum then, but he was still out there playing because he knew he was going to go out after this game. So, yeah, he's a tough kid. We miss him. I think he's a tone setter. But, you know, Minnesota is 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 uh is a better team. And they, they got the victory. So that that's about sums it up as far as why we lost. But you know, I think we, we are a much better team, but we have to get healthy and then to beat the good teams, we have to you know, move the ball. You, Josh Jacobs, more in the passing game. If we do those things, I think we'll be all right. But Minnesota's just a better team Sunday. Okay. And Buck, Buck, I know you said you've been critical of, of Derek Carr. Um, I mean, Derek Carr this year has been pretty decent as far as his numbers. Uh, he has a 73%, uh, 73% completion percentage um four touchdowns he does have three interceptions but um overall you know his quarterback rating is 93.9 which is not bad um so do you think that it is the offensive line that may be troubling them or do you still have um Derek Carr as one of the reasons why Oakland can't seem to get over the hump I think it's still too too early to say that just yet um right now it looks like it's offensive line issues um and I mean, he. I mean, yeah, numbers are not that great, four to three, but it's still early. So I mean, and they got a they got a brutal last schedule. So uh, you know, they they tried to hang in there as long as they could, but Minnesota just uh, is overall, you know, was the better team that you know this past Sunday. But um, it you know maybe you know it's still somewhat early. Um, still September football anyway, and um, you know maybe they just need maybe another week or two to try to you know get the feet up under them. But they're gonna have to get the feet up under them, um, you know, on the road. I mean, they got a hell of schedule, and um, maybe you know maybe they can kind of get the feet on under them a little bit as they move forward. But um, right now, you know, yeah, I am critical of. Of David David Carr, but let's just see if they can kind of move some guys around. Yeah. D- Derek Carr, you know, let's see if they uh, can move some guys around a little bit and see what they can come up with. And uh, you know, if they didn't have so many injuries, they may may have been able to play you know play a little bit better. But we'll see how it goes here in the next few weeks. Okay, and one more before we move on, uh, Ray Stephon Diggs, man. So far this year in three games. 
Six catches for 101 yards and one touchdown. His best game is 49 yards. Um, do you see anything going on with him, lingering injuries or something? Or what's? Well, I mean, I expected him to do a lot better than what he's done so far. Yeah, I, I think I think he will. I know he was injured or questionable for the first game, but he came out and played. And then uh, when you had Kirk Cousins, he threw like 10 times the first game. So there was really no yard for him or Adam Thielen to get. But I, I think I think he had come out and he's going to um, – it looked like he's running his routes and stuff well, so I didn't really see no problem. But, you know, maybe he's off to a slow start because of the way they run the offense. I know they, they run it a lot more than they did in previous years, so – you know, I think he'd get his opportunities. I think he'd be all right. Because if he don't, you know, he got like a, what, a $70 million contract or something. So he's going he gonna to have to get the ball one way or the other. No doubt. All right. Kansas City 33, Baltimore 28. Kansas City goes to 3-0. Baltimore drops to 2-1. This game was at Arrowhead Stadium. Uh, Kansas City got out to an early lead, 23-6 to at halftime. Baltimore brought it on in the second half, but they were unable to uh, get close enough. They went for two-point conversions twice. I didn't quite understand. One, they were down by um, 11 and went for two. I didn't get that. That would have brought them made in a nine-point game, which is still two scores. And... Um, so that made them have to go for two later in the game, which they didn't get that one either, and they end up losing by five points when it could have just been a field goal behind. But uh, Kansas, I mean, Baltimore had more first downs in Kansas City. They had 63 more rushing yards in Kansas City. Now, they had a little less than 100 yards passing, but overall, 452 yards of total offense for Baltimore to 503 for Kansas City. Uh, neither team had a turnover. And Patrick Mahomes did his normal thing, 374 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, Miko Hardman, who I never heard of prior to this game, had two catches for 97 yards and a touchdown. Travis Kelsey. Oh, yeah, that kid fast as lightning, Houston. Man, I had never heard of that dude. But, man, when I tell you they can find these guys that can flat out run and – he went to Georgia, and maybe I just don't remember him because I know I watched Georgia play. But, man, they have him and um, DeMarcus Robinson. Some dudes can fly, man. So, mm-hmm. but, uh, he got that buck speed. Come back. <laughs> he got that buck speed. But, uh, oh, that buck, <laughs> that buck speed. <laughs> <laughs> Lamar Jackson was uh, 22 of 43 for 267. No touchdowns or interceptions. He was sacked three times. Had 46 yards rushing and a touchdown. Mark Ingram was big, 103 yards rushing and three touchdowns, along with 32 yards passing. And, Buck, I thought Baltimore hung in this game pretty well in the second half. They just got off to such a bad start. And uh, maybe if they could have gotten the running game going a little earlier, they could have made it a little closer than what it was down the stretch. But um, I don't think Baltimore has anything to hang their head down about on this game. No, I mean they just had a slow start, and they if they could have gotten out to a better start, they may they may have been able to hang with these guys. But 
Kansas City is one of those teams that they, you know, when they play, they don't they don't waste any time. They just they just flat out get out there and get after it. As a result of them getting after it, you know, they put the guy out of reach, you know, where they had to play catch up all the you know, all the rest of the way. So, um, you know, it, it was it was a very exciting game. If you got a chance to see it, it, it was very, very exciting. But um, you know, Patrick Mahomes is still doing his thing, man. I mean he he he's he's just amazing to watch. He uses a lot of basketball skills, you know, hiding the ball on on those play action passes and things of that nature. You know, it's just every week he does something to just razzle dazzle and just make you just go wow. You know, he's doing stuff that, yeah, I mean, he's just doing things that just other guys just don't do or have never even thought about doing. He's gonna be throwing um, alley oops to the goalposts in a little bit. I wouldn't doubt that. But um, amazing to watch, and and you know taking nothing away from the quarterback for you know for the Ravens. I mean, he he's he's good too. I mean, he, he rallied the troops and kind of got them back in the game. But um, you know, Baltimore got a squad. You know, so their defense is better than what I was thinking it would be without T. Sizzle and Mosley and some of those guys. They you know have been perennial guys there from many years, you know, that Baltimore's gonna be a handful for anybody to play. Um Lamar Jackson, you know, scrambling scrambling ability, but his arm strength is what's getting getting it done now and man, he's a dual threat for sure. So, you know, if you get a chance to see it on NFL network or you didn't see it, it it would it'll be definitely worth the watch. And uh, Ray, I feel like the Kansas City Chiefs defense can be had, um, and, and maybe it's just—I don't know—I'm looking at this a little, a little wrong. But uh, I feel like teams are capable of putting up a few points against Kansas City's defense. They just can't keep up with them. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, Kansas City's defense is definitely the weakness. I know it's not a, a bad defense, but it's not a great one either. I think they need a couple of more pieces on defense, and they can form a dynasty. Because this kid Pat Mahomes, he is—he uh, worth the price of admission to me. I think he's worth sixty million dollars a season. You know, if you got Pat Mahomes, I don't care if it's fantasy league, NFL team. Or what? He's a game changer. And when you seen a game changer like this, I can't think of who. Tom Brady went like this. Aaron Rodgers, maybe you can say so. But I've never seen nobody come in and just light it up like this. Now, in college, you had a lot of flukes and Kingsbury's and all that down there. Texas Tech and all these schools in Houston and all that with, with, with the mother guys. But in the NFL come in and do it like this? No, I, I never see it. I mean, I, this guy, if he had th- if he had 300 yards, he had a bad day. I can you know? think of one and, person to compare him to, and that's that's Dan Moreno. That's the only person I can think of that came yeah. out of the box just yeah. swinging that thing around. Yeah. I mean, other than that, there's really no one that compares uh, to him. Yeah, yeah, I'll I, I say that too, because Dan Moreno, when he had the March Brothers, he was Doing his thing now, man. But 
yeah, that that's about it. I mean, they was a, a play from going to the Super Bowl, I believe it was, and you know, hopefully, you know, they they can they can get back. Cause I know uh, Pat Mahomes, in order to get his real due, he's gonna have to get some some hardware. Cause I know uh, I didn't catch the whole story, but somebody compared him to Troy Eatman or something like that, and Troy said something. I mean, he can't hold Mahomes' toenail, but he gonna talk about these rings because he had a great team and a great system and a great coach, but you know, that Pat Mahomes is special. Yeah, I, I mean, Lamar Jackson looking like he's going to be special, you know, because that's all I want the kid to do is come out there and throw the football because you get out there with somebody like Mahomes, you can't beat him with your legs. You're going to have to use a whole lot of arm. Now, if you get 300 yards passing, 100 yards rushing, maybe you can beat them. But you're going to have to have much more passing yards and rushing yards in order to keep up with somebody like that. But Lamar Jackson is getting better. I'm, I'm proud of him. I like the way he's playing so far this year. Okay. And, uh, yeah, the, I, they made, someone made a comment saying that Pat Mahomes has, like, 36% of the of the yards or the touchdowns or something, something to Troy Aikman's stats. They made a comparison, said he has 36% of that already in his short time. In his oh, career. yeah, that's what it is. And then, Touchdowns, because I think Troy's got like 165 or something yeah, on his whole yeah. career. Yeah, and then he, and I think Troy said, um, let me know when he has 33% of my rings. <laughs> so, but, uh, man, but I'll be honest with you, if Pat Mahomes plays 12 years and he's healthy for those 12 years, if he doesn't have a, at least two rings, man, that's that's a disservice. That means somebody should have been fired in Kansas City. I, I mean, it, I don't think it takes much to put around him for that guy to win. And um, I was man, that dude, he has to get some rings, man. He has to. I mean, I know people said that about Moreno too, but um, I think Mahomes is is even going to be more talented than what we saw in Moreno. So, all right, moving on. Green Bay twenty seven, Denver sixteen. The Packers go to three and zero. Under Matt LaFleur, they were at Lambeau Field. Denver drops to 0-3. And this game was pretty close up until the uh, late in the fourth quarter when the Packers got the go-ahead field goal from Mason Crosby to go up by 11 and win this game. But um, Denver hung tight, and their defense played fairly well against the, um, against the run against Green Bay. Green Bay had 77 yards rushing. Denver had 149 yards rushing. And Aaron Rodgers um, only had 235 yards passing on 17 of 29. Um, he had one touchdown. So, um, it's like Denver did everything right except win the game as far as their defense is concerned. Um, Joe Flacco was 20 for 29 for only 213 yards. No touchdowns, one interception, but he was sacked six times. Phillip Lindsay had 81 yards rushing and two touchdowns along with 49 yards receiving. And Buck, the Packers have a legit defense for the first time in a long time. Um, and I don't know if their offense is just kind of on cruise control and allowing the defense to kind of allowing things to kind of come to them, at, you know, as as they are. But 
Um, they don't seem to be as explosive as they once were. Is that going to be a problem later on down the line? I don't think so. Um, their defense is just so explosive right now to the point to where, you know, the offense can't afford to kind of meet, you know, lag behind a little bit. I think they're still trying to learn, you know, Matt LaFleur's offense. But, you know, you got Aaron Rodgers. And, I mean, as long as you got Aaron Rodgers, he's going to get it. He, you know, he's going get, to get you some yardage and he's going to get, you know, get you the things you need to do. Um, I think the more he gets comfortable in the offense, the better Green Bay will be. Um, you know, it is still September, but, I mean, these guys are clicking on all eight. And I don't think anybody expects them to be clicking on all eight, you know, with all the drama and hoopla and all the supposedly reports coming out from up there that they weren't clicking. Uh, I think that not cl- they are clicking. The only person that isn't is their number one wide receiver. Um, he hasn't gotten any touchdowns, I think, so far this year. Oh, uh, number 17, I can't think. Devontae Adams. So once he kind of gets into the groove a little bit, you know, all the, I mean, um, Gat, um, what's his name? Uh, Gatlin. Stench. Now, I can't remember that other receiver. He's actually been clowning. Valdez um, um, Scantling. Valdez Scantling. He's been the one that's really been doing things. So, um, once you get Devontae Adams clicking, this offense is going to be humming at that point. So, uh, in the, uh, everybody in the in the NFC Central better be on notice because Aaron Rodgers is back. He's healthy. He's got a good offensive line. He said uh, he made um, a comment that he only had he only got knocked down one time the whole game. He said that's the best he's felt in a long time. That you know that's saying a whole lot about that offensive line because their offensive line has been years. He's been tearing up his collarbones. But uh, now, with a good offensive line, and they get that, and once they can get the running game going good, and get their wide receivers humming, look out. And they're going to be dangerous. Do you think Jimmy Graham has anything left? Because Jimmy Graham has been absent for the last two games. Uh, I just think Aaron Rodgers has always been one that spreads the ball. He doesn't really kind of zero in on this receiver, that receiver, not since, you know, the Jordy Nelson days. So he's he's doing more to spread the ball around, and as long as the guy's winning, it doesn't matter. Um, Jimmy Graham got a lot of he's got a lot left in the tank. Um, he's just playing on the he's playing on the team where, you know, I think I think Jimmy Graham has kind of accepted the fact that hey, I don't have to I don't have to, you know, as long as we get the win, I don't have to have it, you know, I don't have to have all those stats. So, you know, you got a Hall of Fame quarterback. Let them take you to the Super Bowl. You know, it's a, for Jimmy Graham, I think it's more about the ring and not the stats. All right, Ray. So um, Denver, man, their their defense is is still playing well, but they're zero and three. And I honestly didn't expect the Broncos to start their season off at zero and three. I figured they would, you know, find a win or two somewhere in this. So, what do you think is going on with Denver right now? No, I think they playing well. I mean, they've been in every game that they played. They was in the game with us. They was in the game with Chicago. They was in the game with uh Green Bay. I mean, I just think it's um they they played at least two tough teams. I mean, look at us a tough team. If we healthy, we was healthy first game. So, I mean, it's not that they playing terrible. It's just they playing good teams and good teams gonna figure out a way to win. I mean, 
Philip Lindsay, I think he's a good running back. You know, Flacco, I think that he's a is a serviceable quarterback. But you know, the the defense is all we They got Vaughn Miller over there. They gonna have a pretty good defense, and you know, I just think I think it's a schedule. But they're not so far behind that they can't catch up. We only got one win. I think all the Chargers only got one win, so. You know, they can climb back in it, and nobody going to catch Kansas City. So, and then there's something unforeseen happens. But, you know, everybody's really kind of playing for second place in all divisions. I think they can turn it around. They can get it together. But, you know, while they play these tough teams, these close games, they're not winning them. So, I think that's more so the problem than their team itself. Okay. All right, we'll move on. Dallas 31, Miami 6. This game was at Cowboys Stadium. You know, I refuse to call it the other name. Uh, the Cowboys go to 3-0. and Miami drops to 0-3. And, and this game was close at halftime. It was 10-6. to And then um, Dallas was able to get control in the second half and put some drives together um, and get 21 points in the second half. Uh, they had 476 yards of total offense, and but they did have eight penalties for 100 yards, and they were timely penalties on top of that. But they were able to keep the Dolphins uh, off the field. The Dolphins were only three for 15 on third downs. And Dak Prescott, 19 of 32, 246 yards, two touchdowns, an interception and a sack. He also had a touchdown running. Um, Zeke and Tony Pollard both went over 100 yards, 125 and 103 respectively. Amari Cooper, six catches, 82 yards, and two touchdowns. So, Buck, the offense is still doing its thing. Um, the defense is still a, a bend, don't break type of defense. They did get one turnover. They forced three fumbles, but they only got one of them back. They did get one uh, one turnover, but uh, I don't know. Miami, to me, seemed like they were had a pretty good game when they're coming into this. They just did some questionable things um, within the game, including a touchdown catch that they didn't challenge. They got knocked out at the last second. I don't know if you saw it. And even though I thought that uh, I thought it was at least something you challenged, and they didn't even try to challenge it, and they ended up fumbling a couple of plays later. But did you see the highlight of um, their receiver catching up the touchdown and then he getting knocked out of his hands? Yeah, I, I saw that. Um, the only thing is, in today's NFL, I mean, you, you don't, you know, nothing is guaranteed. So you don't know what to challenge and what not to challenge. Um, it To me, it should have been challenged. And that's where, you know, if you have, you know, um, coaching staff. bad as Miami is. So we got coaching staff sitting up there in the press box. That's you know that's where you radio these guys and say, hey, you know, should we challenge that? Should we did, you know? And they, and they did not do that. I mean, and that's probably a product of a young coaching staff, where or one that's not, you know, they don't have the right people in place, you know, to kind of tell them, hey, you might want to challenge that. But you also have a bunch of new referees. I mean, sometimes you just got to roll the dice and just just see, you know. And that was one they should have challenged. But in the grand scheme of things, will it would it would have would it have made a difference? 
not with Miami because, I mean, it just wouldn't have made a difference because y'all were going to beat their ass regardless. So it's just insult to injury because their ass didn't do it. They, You know, they didn't challenge. So it is what it is. Yeah, I thought they should have challenged um, on that. And Dallas, um, I don't think Dallas is really showing all of their offense in these first three games. Um, Zeke, Zeke only has five catches in these three games. Um, you know, last year he had 77 receptions, which is the highest he's ever had in his young career. And he's not getting a lot of catches yet. We haven't seen him and Tony Pollard in the backfield together, I don't think. And so I still think there's some things that Kellen Moore, the offense coordinator, is holding on to that we may start to see now that the schedule is about to get good because the Cowboys have pretty much had an extra preseason with these first three games. And um, now they're going to start to run into some real competition. Even though Teddy Bridgewater is a backup um, in New Orleans, he used to be a starter. And playing in New Orleans is never easy regardless of who the quarterback is. So um, we'll see going forward how – that offense does and if it can remain consistent and put points on the board. So, but I was, I was, you know, not necessarily happy with how they played in the first half, but I never panicked because I mean, the Patriots were up 13 to nothing against New England at me, I guess uh, Miami at halftime before they dropped 30 points in the second half on them. So um, if nothing else, you know, you expect other teams to explode in the second half against Miami, but Man, their coach, Brian Flores, man, that dude, I feel bad for him because he's, he's just in a bad situation. He really is. And uh, those guys just seem like some of the guys have checked out and they're just playing for a draft pick, seems like. But I don't know what one draft pick they think is going to help that team. <laughs> they, they're going to need a lot more picks than what they have. Right now they got three first-round draft picks. Man, that's not going to be enough for that team. They're going to need 10. <laughs> They're going to have to make the most of those picks. Cause we all know a first-round pick doesn't guarantee nothing. So they're going to have to be on point. So, and let's see. Another undefeated team, Buffalo 21, Cincinnati 17. Buffalo goes to 3-0. and Cincinnati drops to 0-3. This game was at New Era Field in Buffalo. And the fans have something to cheer about up there for the first time in a long time. Um, Other than breaking tables. (laughs) Josh Allen was 23 of 36, 243 yards, a touchdown, interception, and sack. He had another 46 yards rushing. Frank Gore, the ageless one, 76 yards rushing and a touchdown. Um, On the other side, the double had 20 for 36, 249 yards, a touchdown, two interceptions, two sacks. Even his black magic can't help the Bengals at this point, it seems like. Uh, I I mean, Ray, I'll I'll ask you, man, is Buffalo for real? I mean, they don't necessarily win pretty, but they win. Well, they have a nice defense. Their defense is one of the best defenses in the league, strong defense. And when they get cold and you have to go to Buffalo, they really go on you know, impose they will on teams, but Josh Allen, I don't really know what to make of him. I mean, he runs a lot and he can he can pass somewhat. And they and right now they're winning. 
I think they got lucky in a couple of games, but Noles is three and zero and in the win column. That's all that counts. But you know, I think they're getting ready to run into a buzzsaw. I could be wrong. Buffalo might stand up and win the game, but you know, you know how Brady is against that division. So I don't think as much some guys gonna be able to do. Yeah, maybe a low scoring game, like maybe seventeen to 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 seven or something like that, maybe, but I think New England will still get them. But Buffalo defense, they on the right track. Offense, you know, the guys they got now, beside Devin Singletary, all the rest of the guys, they not the future. Like me uh Kobe and Frank Gore, he's the age was wonder, man. I mean, Frank Gore still still going and going strong. So, but well, we know he's not the future because he's so old. But they they got a good team, you know. They got a good team. I think they can finish out nine and seven or something like that, which is good because that's say they only got to win six out of their next thirteen in order to be 9-7. So, you know, that that that, that that's, that's definitely doable. So, I think they'll be all right, but they won't beat New England. Okay. And Buck, Cincinnati's 0-3. Uh, Marvin Lewis is, is out there at Arizona State helping Herm Edwards run that team, saying, ha, 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 I told y'all it wasn't me. But, um, Cincinnati just can't seem to get it done, man. They, they, I don't know what to say about them, man. Like I said, they have pretty good players. I know they have some injuries, but uh, they just look bad at times, especially on the offense. I'm not, I'm not sure what's going on with Cincinnati. I thought, you know, I thought with a new coach, a new regime, they'd be a little bit better, but maybe the loss of Adam Pacman Jones and, and Burfick. Who kind of energized the team? Now they're just they're they just don't have it. They don't you know like like you know these young bucks say they ain't got no fire. I mean they just I mean you got all that speed with Mixon and and I guess you know AJ Green still I think he's still out. Um, Tyler Eifert you know we know that you know at any given moment that joke is going to be injured. So you know they just don't have enough pieces on offense to get it done. And their offensive line is just not all that great. I mean, so, um, I mean, yeah, they may have, they may be still having some growing pains as far as the, you know, first part of the year, you know, trying to learn a new offense, new system, what have you. But I don't know if it's just, I don't know if it's just that anymore with Cincinnati. I just think that maybe that's just, it is what it is. I mean, maybe it's an Ohio thing. So it's not just, you know, Cincinnati. I mean, it just it seems like it's it's happening to Cleveland too. So um, I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe it's going to take them some time to kind of get their feet up under them as far as learning the offense and learning style. You know, the new defensive calls and things of that nature. Maybe it's just going to take some time, but um, it's not going to get any easier for Cincinnati. They got a rough schedule with Seattle. Pittsburgh and some of the other ones coming up and you know some of these teams are in the same situation in Cincinnati 
some of them aren't. So, um, you know, they got an uphill battle to climb. And um, it doesn't look like, you know, they're going to get much done this year. No, nah, it doesn't look like it. they're going to have a top five pick at the rate it's going. The only thing I hate about Cincinnati this year is that they're not playing um, a game in Atlanta because I've been dying to say about Andy Dalton that the devil went down to Georgia. So I, I need them to play a game <laughs> in Atlanta before he retires. So I can say that. But, all right, moving on. San Francisco 24, Pittsburgh 20. The 49ers go to 3-0, another undefeated team. The Steelers dropped to 0-3. This game was at Levi's Stadium out there in Santa Clara or wherever it is. And this game was pretty close throughout. Um, Pittsburgh led early on 6-3. And then the 49ers got the lead 10-6. And then it was 13-10. Then it was 17-13. Then it was 20-17. And the team with the ball last won the game. It's Dante Pettis caught a five-yard pass from Jimmy Garoppolo with a minute and 20 left in the game. Uh, 49ers had 168 yards rushing. They held the Steelers to 239 um, total yards. The 49ers turned over the ball five times, which is absolutely ridiculous. But the running game allowed them to control the clock with 36 minutes of time of possession. Garoppolo was 23 of 32 for 277, a touchdown, two interceptions, a sack, and a fumble. Um, Raheem Mostert had 79 yards rushing, Matt Breda 68 yards rushing, and George Kittle, the tight end, six catches, 57 yards. For the Steelers, Mason Rudolph, um, 14 of 27, 174 yards, two touchdowns, and interception, two sacks. Uh, James Conner had 43 yards rushing and a fumble. And Juju was on their beat. Three catches, 81 yards, and a touchdown. But 76 of those yards came on one catch. So he only had two catches for five yards on the other two receptions. But what can you say about your boys? You were pretty confident about them last week. They brought in Mika Fitzpatrick, who played very well. Um, but you all weren't able to get a W out of this one. You were very close. Yeah, the reason why we didn't do it is because you can't – when you get turnovers, you got to cash in with touchdowns. Um, I was telling everybody I was watching this game at halftime. I said, we don't have enough points on the board to beat these guys. I said, so don't get comfortable. I said, we have to – you know, we got to put points on the board. When you get five turnovers, you got to at least have three touchdowns, not two field goals. Uh, it's just not acceptable. I mean, the guys just weren't, you know, they weren't executing on the field. Um, defense was playing lights out. I mean, they they were really playing extremely well in the first half. But turnovers on our side of the ball is what killed us because when they got they got turnovers from us, they did what we should have done, which is convert them into touchdowns. Um, they scored 14 points off turnovers. Um, you can't turn the football over. I mean, that's just something. It seemed like out of the last nine games, I mean, every time we have turnover, we lose because um, teams are just converting them to touchdown. You just can't turn the football over. You got to protect the football. You got to be able to hold on to the football. When when Connor uh, dropped the ball, I mean, it just you know that just can't happen. But the thing that's really concerning me more than anything else, other than the drop passes in the first half. The fumbles, interceptions. 
the offensive line play is just horrible. Um, Mason Rudolph back there was run, running for his life most of the day. Now, I'm not, not taking anything away from the 49er defense because this year their defense has been playing extremely well. But our offensive line is better than that. Um, maybe, the, you know, everybody wants to talk about the loss of Brown and Bell, but I said in preseason, I said the loss that's probably going to cost us more than anything else is Mike Munchak going to Denver. Um, I see that. I saw that as a problem then. I see it as a problem now. We virtually have the same offensive line. It's just the guys are not playing the way they used to play last year. And we're not opening up the holes. We're not stopping these guys. And last year, when we had Mike Munchak, I mean, we, the offensive line play was a whole lot better. I mean, you know, Sean Scarrett, he did, um, you know, he was under him. So he, he, he brings a lot of the same concepts. But, you know, we got to get it in gear. We got to get it in gear now. I mean, it's not panic mode yet because we're still in September, but at the same time, there, there's got to be, we have to clean up the mistakes. And that's what we've been in two games here that we could have easily be two and one instead of 0 oh and three if we clean up the mistakes, clean up the penalties. We didn't have too many of those. We had a few, but the turnovers, I mean, we got to clean that up. Um, catching the football and securing the football, those are things that, these players have to do, and they're not doing it. I mean, we benched Moncrief, but you still got guys out there dropping the football. You you just can't have you know you you can't have that. So slow starts, you know, laps lapses in in, in game play. The guys have to you got to you got to go for the juggler, and you know a lot of it. We got a lot of new new pieces, a lot of moving parts, a lot of young guys out there that are trying to find their way. I mean, we we have very few veterans left um, on the team. I mean, it's virtually new. So we have to, you know, these guys got to, you know, go for the juggler. You get a turnover, you got to you got to convert it to a touchdown. And you can't get comfortable with a lead. Just because you're up by two touchdowns, you know, you got to be like New England. You got to be like Kansas City. You got to be like Green Bay. You got to be like New Orleans. You keep putting touchdowns on the board, and you got to snatch – their soul out. You can't just you can't just get six point lead, carry it in halftime, and feel comfortable. I wasn't comfortable as a fan, so you damn sure can't be comfortable as a player. You got to you got to stop looking at the damn scoreboard and do your job and score points. And I think once these young guys kind of get that under their you know in that mindset, I think we'll be okay. So you know it, we could easily be two and one. But we're 0-3 on it. You know, see what we can do this coming week against Cincinnati on Monday night. See if we can't get a win. All right. Hey, man, if, if you can't get a win against Cincinnati, <laughs> oh, boy. You can't get a, you can't get to, you can't get a win against Cincinnati. You, you're in bad shape. Oh, but, man. Uh, we'll see what happens. And, uh, Ray, the 49ers defense played very well. But I know you're not sold on the the Steelers coaching and, and everything either. I mean, which one do you think had more of an impact in this game? Well, I, I say that San Francisco did everything, particularly in the first half, to lose the game. I mean, they turned the ball over, I believe, it was like five times or something like that. And, you know, the Steelers really couldn't capitalize off of that. 
I believe they was only up by like maybe six points or something like that the first half. But it's uh, Mason Rudolph, I think he'll be fine. It's just, I just don't believe they're a good football team. They had a good defensive player, TJ Watt. You know, I think uh, Devin Bush is going to be all right. You know, they got a couple other guys out there. Mika Fitzpatrick had an interception starting out the week. I think he's going to help them be better. But when it's times like this, who do you look to for leadership? And that's what's the hard thing. Like Devin Bush or somebody like that can be the leader. But it's um, Hayward and them going to follow up this young guy. You know, so it, it's kind of that's where the, the problem is. I mean, Juju Smith, he's really not doing what he was doing as the number one receiver. That's what people were saying. He's going to find out what it's like without AB. I mean, he had a long touchdown, which, which was good. We know the kid has a lot of talent, but he's also very, very, very young. I mean, normally a player comes in now at his age now, not when he's 20 years old. So he has to learn how to deal with adversity and stuff like that. But, no, I, I just don't think that, that you know, we, we'll see what happens with Tomlin because people are going to put up, you know, how many wins he got and how many winning seasons and never had a losing season and won the most games besides Belichick over the same span and all this and that. But to me, he gets a pass because he won with Bill Cowher's team. Everybody go to the Dungy, because Dungy was, you know, black and all. They don't get rooting credit, which he did win with Tony Dungy's team. But, hell, Mike Tomlin did the same thing. What has he done since then? What, I can't think of nobody in history that had a Hall of Fame quarterback, receiver, and running back and not got the chip. So, you know, Steelers have always had a winning tradition. They got six Super Bowls, and you can go on yada, 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 all these Hall of Famers, and they do have a good history. But as of right now, you know, I think they're going to see what some of these other franchises feel like. As you win all the time, it, it's really no – well, it could be a big deal because I think the Steelers fans are spoiled and greedy, you know, similar to how the Patriots fans are going to be 15 years from now. But, you know, I think they just have to keep grinding. You know, if they don't get the win against Cincinnati, then I don't know what's going to be said or what's going to happen. I thought Cincinnati played uh, their first game of the season very well. But, you know, it's after that. So, we'll see. Another thing that's kind of – another thing that's kind of hurt us, too, is the injuries. Um, typically, we usually are injury-free. Um, this year has been really, really different. We started out even in, in, pre, in preseason, we had a lot of injuries um, to a lot of guys. So we were, we came into the season banged up. And now without Ben and without, you know, Sean, Sean Davis, I mean, the 
Fitz, in the uh, Fitzpatrick deal was really good, and we picked up uh, Vanette from the Seahawks today because McDonald was in a slump um, in practice because he got injured in his past game. Um, and behind him, depth-wise, tight end, which is our weakest spot, um, we just don't have anybody. I mean, Grimble, I thought, was going to really step up this year. He had a really good offseason, but he looks like garbage. And then Gentry is just raw. Um, so we picked up Lynette. <laughs> we don't have many draft picks left because um, we've traded most of them away already. We have a sixth in the seventh round, two in the fourth, and a second. So um, we'll get we'll get one in the third from Bale, but uh, compensatory. But we're gonna have to kind of tighten things up, um, you know, moving forward. So you know, we'll see how Rudolph does. I, I feel real confident with Rudolph and him leading the team, and Devlin Hodges being behind him. So just you know, we just got to keep working together and seeing what happens. Okay. And uh yeah, one mentioned uh or Ray mentioned Devin Bush. Uh he's averaging about ten tackles a game. That dude's all over the place. And so uh he's looking really good for rookie of the year. All right. Los Angeles Rams twenty, Cleveland Browns thirteen. The Rams are three and the Browns are one and two. This game was at first energy stadium in Cleveland. All that hype about the Browns and they laid another egg. They couldn't get it done. Um, field goal after field goal. And uh, Demetrius Harris got a two-yard pass late in the third quarter. This wasn't necessarily the most exciting game to watch. Cleveland with only 175, excuse me, under 270 yards of offense. The Rams had 345. Uh, three turnovers for the Rams, which kind of kept Cleveland in it. 15 penalties between the two of them. And but um, Baker Mayfield, 18 for 36, 195 yards, a touchdown, an interception, sacked three times. Nick Chubb looked good, 96 yards rushing. And um, Jarvis Landry led the, led the way with three catches for 62 yards. But the Browns, man, I know we talked at the beginning of the season, and we said that the Browns come out and get their behinds handed to them in that first game, but things might spiral out of control after that. And it's starting to look that way. This team looks like they're on their way to about six wins. Well, they were on their, their way to six wins before the season started. And, you know, it's, I don't know what it is about the Browns. Like I said, like I was saying, thing I was saying about Cincinnati, it's the Ohio thing. I mean, Cincinnati ain't been shit, and, and I don't know when. And with all that talent, and with all that talent, it's not so much. I mean, Baker Mayfield is a decent quarterback, okay? Taking taking nothing away from him, um, taking nothing away from Jarvis Landry or Odell Beckham, for that matter. But these two guys get up for games when they want to get up for games. Okay, so and then really and truthfully, with everything being said, Fred Kitchens was not the right choice for coach. Okay. That should have gone to Greg Williams. But another reason why Greg Williams didn't get that because of the, the damn, you know, Bounty Gate scandal. And that's the reason why they didn't offer that that um, coaching job to Greg Williams. Nobody, I mean, now granted, Kitchen has he's coached under some really good coaches in this league. But he's just, he you know, sometimes you're just better as a coordinator than you are a head coach. 
Now, some of it could be, yeah, we still in September. I look at September as an extension of preseason for all teams, not just not just my own, but I'm just talking about all teams in general. Some teams just, you know, get off to a fast start. Some teams are just elite, and they just they know what they're doing. But it takes sometimes it takes some some teams to get you know a little bit to get the feet up under them. But Kitchens, he didn't look like he knew it. I mean, he's better as a quarterback coach, offensive coordinator. He just kind of had that vibe from the beginning. So now, I mean, Dorsey's done a fantastic job, general manager, getting the type of players that they need so they can be successful. Sometimes when you have too much talent, Ray can, Ray can say something about this because the Raiders have had so much talent, you know, even in the 2000s. And for whatever reason, it did not work. Um, sometimes yeah, egos get in the way. Okay, you got this first round draft choice, this first round draft choice, whatever, and they just don't mesh. It doesn't matter what coach you have. It doesn't matter, you know, you know. It, it just doesn't matter. So, as a result of that, it just doesn't work. And maybe it's just going to take a little a little while because all these guys have come from different places, and they all have, you know, they carry the, carry themselves differently. They don't know how to work together as a team yet. It may it may take them to week eight before they start really getting their feet under them. If it, they wait to week eight in the AFC, they'll be out of it, and they don't have they don't have a schedule that's favorable for them to drop more games. So you know some of the elite teams are, they, in the AFC are taking off, and it's going to be hard to kind of catch up. So and. Like I said, in preseason, Baltimore is the Achilles heel. They can screw this thing all the way up because I really only see one team coming out of our, out of our division. So they're going to get the feet on them quick and in a hurry. So only time will tell, but I just don't think Kitchens was the man for the job. I agree with you. He does better that. as a court. I agree. I think he, he does better as a – He's better as a offensive coordinator, quarterback, coach, whatever, versus trying to lead a team because he looked like a deer in headlights. Hmm. And Ray, um, Clay Matthews had two sacks, uh, and Aaron Donald had one. And I don't know if you all saw this game or not, but, man, Aaron Donald was unstoppable. Um, Yeah, he he was. They couldn't block him. When he wasn't getting the sacks, he was running people – you know, he was opening up the door for other people to get sacks or to rush the quarterback and everything. And, man, I watched Khalil Mack on Monday, and Khalil Mack was a beast on Monday too. And he has a high motor. I think Khalil Mack kind of – I feel like he's more aggressive as far as getting after the quarterback. But Aaron Donald is so quick, man. I've never seen anyone split double teams like he does. And he's just so disruptive to the play. Man, these guys, when it's all said and done, may be two of the best pass rushers we've ever seen, regardless of how many sacks they finish with. But for Aaron Donald to line up in the middle and do what he does, I hadn't seen anything like that since a young Warren Sapp. And he's a lot better to me than what Warren Sapp was, and that's saying something. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Aaron Donald he's a lot lighter. Yeah. You know, the thing that I've – one thing that I noticed over the weekend – and I noticed, you know, some of these defensive linemen, you know, we've 
accustomed to seeing these guys 315, 320. Aaron Donald, Mac, Garrett, all these guys are around 285, 290 range. And, I mean, the shit that they're doing with their bodies and how fast they are, it's just unparalleled. And I think there's one other guy that's starting to fit that mold. He plays in Chicago, too, number 59. I can't think of his name right now. But that oh, fool. Danny Trevathan? Trevathan, yeah. Oh, yeah. That fool is just as bad as all, those those first three that I mentioned. So I, I think you're starting to see – I don't want to call these guys hybrids. I'm just going to say more athletic defensive linemen. Um, and they're fitting the bill because these guys are unstoppable. 49ers have one too. I mean, they, um, I forgot his number, but he, they got one that's similar in, and then I'm not talking about Bosa, um, that are kind of, kind of fits that mold of that 285, 290 defensive lineman. So I think you're going to start seeing more of that. You definitely are, man. I mean, but this dude, he's, he's 28 years old and, uh, Man, like I said, he is impossible to stop. Uh, he just, golly, the way he comes off the, the snap and gets between the guard and the center so fast, they don't even know what to hit him half the time. So, that dude, he is amazing to watch, that's for sure. So, all right. We'll touch on would be, uh, today would be Detroit 27, Philadelphia 24. The Lions are undefeated at 2-0-1. The Eagles dropped a one and two. Um, the Lions had a twenty to ten halftime lead, and they were able to hold off Philly late in the game. Uh, Philly had some issues at wide receiver Nelson Aguilar. Uh, you know he's been dropping some passes, and even had a fan in Philly who made light of that during a news broadcast. Did y'all see that broadcast? No. And there was a guy. I know. There was a guy in Philadelphia who um, helped save some people from a burning house, and he was welcomed by the house. And the man that was trapped in the house upstairs told him to catch his kids. And so the man started throwing babies out the window. And the man said, "I caught the babies, unlike Nelson Aguilar." <laughs> so, <laughs> he said that in a news broadcast, man. So he was salty. Even after saving lives, he was still mad at Nelson Aguilar. But uh, Aguilar offered him tickets to the game. So, um, I don't know if he took him up on it or not. But, I mean, he had eight catches, 50 yards, and two touchdowns. But um, there were some key drops that he had in that game as well. Carson Wentz, 19 of 36, 259 yards, two touchdowns. He was sacked three times. Miles Sanders had 53 yards rushing on 13 carries and another 73 yards receiving. And, Ray, to me, Philly doesn't have an, an identity um, in the, as far as their running game yet, who they want to be the guy. Um, Miles Sanders, Jordan Howard, even Darren Sproles got some carries. And they're, they're injured um, at the receiving position, too. So they may find themselves in a hole if they don't find a way to get, get a couple of W's until they get some of these guys back. Yeah, I, th- I think they're going to take a couple of head whoopings. I think they're going to take a head whooping tomorrow night. But, you know, I think it's just um, when you run drones running by committee, although you have good guys, you can't do too much running by committee. I think 
you know, a situation like, you know, Zeke and Tony Pollard or something, that'll work because Zeke going to get a beat. Work a little regardless. But you running three and four and five running backs and stuff, I don't think they should do that. I mean, Miles Sanders is a good running back, but Jordan Howard, I believe, they just don't do this guy right. Everyone he's, he's been, he's produced, whether it's Indiana in college or you know, uh, Chicago Bears, now he's in Philadelphia. I think they should give him carries. You know, you can bring Miles Sanders along if if they want to, but I think Jordan Howard can really pound that thing up in there like they need to and get the job done. I don't like to see too many backs rotating, especially if they have different running styles. It can really, I don't think, just confuse the defense, which would be a good thing. I think it confused the offense because guys have to switch up how they block for different running backs. So, you know, Philadelphia, I think I think they'll be all right when it all comes comes together and D-Jack and Alshon Jeffrey and all these guys come back off of injury. But right now, they're going to kind of, you know, they're they, they going to drop some games. And that's why it's important that Dallas get out in front because, you know, you get a three, four-game lead, it's hard for them to catch up unless they beat you twice. Then that lead can be slashed in half just like that. But outside of that, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be difficult. These guys have two losses already, and they got Green Bay tomorrow night. So <laughs> it's not going to be good that's, for them early. That's loss number three. Yeah, I think they're going to they're going to take a hit haircut tomorrow too. <laughs> yeah, they just might. So, um, they need to get something figured in the running game. I think when they got out, I was a little concerned, but um, they haven't been using them. So, um, it's almost like Chip Kelly's still there. As for Detroit, Matt Stafford, eighteen of thirty-two, two hundred and one yards. A touchdown, no interceptions, no sacks. Uh, they got 36 yards rushing on 20 carries by Kerryon Johnson. So they couldn't do it on the ground. Marvin Jones was 6 for 101 and a touchdown. Uh, it wasn't necessarily a good game by Detroit, but they were able to win it. And Buck is early in the season. We all know Detroit can be Detroit. But they seem to be finding a way to win, win games kind of late. You know, they won a game against the Chargers that no one expected them to win. They should have won against Arizona. I mean, they could easily be 3-0 and right now. Man, I'm, is the Patriot way coming to the Lions and becoming the Lions way? Uh, Patricia got them boys playing. Um, you know, they, they're they starting to buy in to, you know, Matt Patricia and his, and his you know, scheme the way it needs to the way it needs to work. And I tell you, I mean, they're, they're looking good. Um the defense is formidable. Um, they got a decent running game. You know, you got Matt Stafford, um, who in a lot of in a lot has really kind of, you know, Matthew Stafford is one of the quarterbacks that's gone through a whole lot of coordinators as well. So I think that's kind of hurt his development. And in, the, in his early stages of career, he had a little bit of a glass jaw problem. I think he's gotten that fixed, so he's toughened up the jaw. But now, you know, he's you know he had to, he's got a you know he's had some he's had some good playmakers over the years, and they left because we all know the Lions. 
we, me and Q had a saying that the only person that resurrected lions is God. Um, looks like they don't <laughs> look like this. I mean, they just kind of yeah. like kind of like Seattle used to be too. I mean, Seattle was one of them teams where we said, you know, that was the only person that can resurrect them. So, but now Matt Patricia looked like you know he's he, you know he's brought a brought a system there. The guys are starting to buy in, but he's starting to get players that kind of fits that Patriot Ray type mold. No name wide receivers, you know, maybe a big name running back or two. You know, some decent sized tight ends. They got a, they got a shitload of tight ends. I think they got four of them. All of them oh, big. Yeah. One of them Jesse James. So, I mean, you got, you know, he's he's starting to implement what used to be out there in New England. So, well, what still is out in New England. So, um, they're starting to buy in, but this is a division that is owned by Aaron Rodgers. Now, I know Chicago, look, you know, they, they didn't look up. They won last year, but Aaron is back. And and right now, everybody on notice in, in, in that uh, division. So we'll see how that goes moving forward. Um, but it is good to see the Lions doing well. The fans are getting into it. Um, you know, it's just good to see them at 2-0 and 1 because – you know, you just sometimes you just get tired of seeing the same old same old teams winning and losing, and it's just good to see them. You know, start out the season very well. Okay. All right. Well, let's take a look at next week's game, week four. And I'm sorry to believe we already are about a month in, fellas. It's like, man, it's like it runs by so fast. All right, week four tomorrow yeah. night. Let's see. I think Ray, you already gave your opinion on this, but Buck, Philadelphia at Green Bay. Uh, I, Green Bay. Yeah, uh, I just, I just think the Eagles got way too many injuries right now, and um, you know they playing in Lambeau for you. They're gonna get their ass stomped. Okay. <laughs> they can get blowed out. They gonna, they don't, they're not gonna get blown out. They're gonna get blued out. <laughs> All right, Ray, uh, New England at Buffalo. Uh, yeah, I'm going to take the Patriots 17-7. Okay. But Cleveland at Baltimore. I got to go with Lamar Jackson and them Baltimore Ravens um, until I see that Baker Mayfield needs to stay off all these damn commercials. He's making some really good ones, but you better pay attention on his, about, on his craft because right now, that's what he needs to be doing. And uh, Baltimore going to whoop their ass. I think this may be what 21 pick of the week. Okay. And Ray, Oakland at Indianapolis. Ooh. This is a game I originally thought that we can win, but Jacoby Brissett has been playing great. And we're going on the road. Until our guys get healthy, I'm going to have to – Indianapolis, but I hope we win the game. All right, Buck. The Chargers at Miami. I'm not picking Miami. <laughs> no time, no time this year. Los Angeles Super Chargers. Okay, that sounds so stupid. Ray, the Skins at the Giants, and and also really quick comment on what you think about Daniel Jones after his debut, and do you think that um, he can continue that? Oh, yeah, I think Daniel Jones is, is going to be a monster. 
I mean, when he was first drafted, I don't think nobody really saw it coming. I didn't see it coming until I saw this guy play a couple of preseason games. Everybody say, well, it's the preseason. It's the preseason. No, you got to look at the poise, how the guy is calm in the pocket and everything else. I haven't seen that much poise since that Prescott came out as a rookie. And I, I think this kid is going to really be good. Now, he had no Saquon Barkley, which is, which is a shame because these guys were hurting for him. And now they have a quarterback who can actually help them win games. And now Saquon is hurt. So I think that Daniel Jones is going to carry these guys. Now, don't get me wrong. When they run into a real good football team, it's still going to be a problem. But all these teams like Washington and and stuff like that, I think they, they, can, they can sneak in there and get them. And I think Daniel Jones is going to do just that. He's going to get them. Okay. And Buck, Tennessee at Atlanta. Man. As much as I'd like to go with Atlanta since they playing at home, Atlanta continuously lets me down. I got to go with the Tennessee Titans coming in there and upsetting you, beating these guys. Man, I don't know what's going on with Atlanta. Atlanta, one of them teams that got talent. And it's just, I mean, you got Matty Ice. And just, I mean, I guarantee you, now that I didn't pick these motherfuckers, they'll fool around and win. But I'm going with the Titans. Okay. And Ray, Kansas City at Detroit. Undefeated against undefeated. Oh, yeah. I'm still going to have to take uh, Kansas City. Although I know Kansas City is going to have to lose sooner or later. Man, you um, disrespect Matt Stafford like that. Boy, please. I, I, I really think Matt Stafford is a good quarterback that gets a bad rap. Matt Stafford can really light it up, especially when he's down. He can really light it up. But um, I think this could be one of these games where it turns into 450 to 500-yard passing days that he's got. So we're going to see what the passing yards look like. But I think these guys going to go nuts. It's going to be a lot of running up and down the field. So we, we'll, we'll see. So Matthew Stafford can light it up. A lot of people don't give him credit because he hasn't won. But when you have a dysfunctional franchise, how can you win anything? So, you know, I, I like Kansas City, though. All right. And Buck, Carolina at Houston. Ooh, man. This is a tough one to pick because now you don't have uh, Pam Newton playing. Um, they actually got a quarterback <laughs> that actually can <laughs> actually get, throw the football down the field. Um, oh, yeah. And they actually look formidable. Um, you know, Pam Newton's going to be out. You know, he may be out for the rest of the season because he has a Liz Frank injury, possibly. Um, so uh, I, I think that, you know, it really boils down. It, you, I'm leaning toward Houston, but, man, my boy Deshaun Washington is just getting his ass 
dredged on a week-to-week basis. And I'm just waiting for this boy to get broken up again. So with that in mind, as much as I'd like to pick Houston in this game, I'm actually going to go with the uh, Carolina Panthers in the upset. All right. And uh, you're so wrong for Pam Newton. Um, speaking of Newton, uh, Michael Vick spoke out on him recently. And let me see if I can find the, the quote Michael Vick said and get you all's opinion. Uh, that was his quote. <laughs> Lord have mercy. <laughs> Resist, man. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't hurt at all. Uh, let's see. He said, trying to find a full quote, but I only see half of it. But essentially, he said, This isn't a fashion show. This is football. And he, he says, It's a different demeanor, a different approach. You got to take it as far as your appearance and everything, man. Everything plays a factor at the quarterback position. So he doesn't appear to be a fan of uh, Cam Newton and his scarfs and things of that nature. What do you all think about that? You think that he's on to something? Do you think that um, how you carry yourself off the field determines how the players see you as a leader or not? Hell yes. I mean, yeah, I've, I've said this. I've said this many times. Um, ever since them damn, you know, Lycos, uh, whatever them damn uh, yoga commercials. He's been soft ever since. So, uh, and he's been steadily getting more female, like, over the course of the last few seasons. And I don't, I mean, look, Cam Newton's a big dude. I mean, he, I know they got him listed at about 245. This joke about all of 275 and six foot five, six, six, somewhere in there. I mean, very well could be playing basketball, but at some point, you have to be a man. And coming in, you know, looking like, Looking like partially like a Dragon Ball Z, Z character, and Whitney Houston <laughs> ain't gonna cut it. I mean, good gracious! I mean, I mean, he he, he you know you are gonna get on the field and act like Superman, but then you will get off the field and you look gonna look like Little Red Riding Hood. This just not gonna cut it. So you know, he's confusing the shit out of any any black quarterback or any white quarterback for that matter. That's looking up to him. I mean, got the you know got these damn fat heads all on the wall and everything. Now that I mean, they just screw it. He's screwing up everything. Cam's got to start acting like a man. I mean, because all this scarf wearing and and all these damn capris and I mean, this joke, man, his his pants ain't gonna never get dry. I mean, I mean they're never gonna get wet with as far up his damn calf as them damn pants are. It comes a point in time that you got to be a man. And I think it is affecting them. I know a lot of people are laughing and all that kind of stuff, but I'm being serious. This dude looks like he, he, he getting ready to get, get that change. I mean, it just <laughs> enough's enough already. Put some man clothes on, stop wearing the scarves, cut your hair and make yourself look like a man. And, you know, stop trying to be, you know, stop trying to be Ryu or some shit on Street Fighter. With with written Houston hair and shit, this this shit ain't gonna cut it, bro. I I I, I, I tell you who I tell you who he puts you in the mold of if you think about it. He's doing the same shit that Dennis Rodman did. But thing is, 
Rodman always been weird. Rodman is, is not from, you know, the, 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 the hood or the black community or whatever the case is. Of course, he's black, but, you know, it, it's just the stuff that Cam is doing. It's just, man, you sending the wrong message to the two young kids that's trying to go to exactly. school or work or get a job or whatever the case may be. That, that you can make your own clothes and you can put on something similar to what he has on, it, to me, it, it's, it's just not a good look. I'm all for people doing what they want to do, but I think that it's a thing that if you're a man, you should be a man. And some of that shit, I don't care how much it costs, I wouldn't put it on if you paid me to put it on. I mean, it's just, you know... A lot of people think expensive is always means something. It's got to look nice, too. And it's got to fit you. You know, not coming up across your knees and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it's, it's just, it's not it's not a good look. I'm trying to think of what athlete since maybe Dennis Rodman had a wardrobe that bad. Russell Westbrook wears some shitty clothes, but at least they, they are. Uh, you know, T-shirts and stuff like that involved with it. But this guy here, man, everything he put on is like, man, what the fuck Simmons. you got on? I don't even want to hear you talk at the podium because, like, man, what the fuck you got on? You know, I know, right? And and it should it shouldn't be like that. I mean, that's why I kind of don't don't respect him the way he he was like when he was in Auburn when he first coming to the league. Um. I think this guy, Cal Allen, if he keep throwing that ball like that, Cam ain't going to get that back. Because that boy was lights out Sunday. Ooh, yeah, he was. Well, yeah, I like I say. I, I think it's unfair, huh? unfair that you all are coming down on Cam Richard, I mean, Cam um, Newton, just because he, he went to the School of Fashion by Little Richard. Uh, I agree with y'all. Yeah. Look, we already know, we already know the punk. I, I think he that, he can't. We already know he a punk. But Cam I, Newton came out of Auburn, a man. Now he's, he is a girl. I, I so I don't know what. I, I won't speak to the man's masculinity or anything like that. I I, I won't claim to know. I will. What he what he, he's doing, but I will say this: that I, I do agree with you all. I do think that it's. It's a bad look. It just because not only are you dressing like a Dennis Rodman, like you don't have any good sense, but 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 your demeanor is just bad. All right, everything about your demeanor is bad. The way you carry yourself, the way you slump, the way you act like you don't want to be there, all of that looks bad. And I mean, it, it rubs off on your team. And this dude comes in as your backup, and he gets people excited and have them excited, you know, um, you know, have them, have them out there and, and making plays, then, you know, you can be in trouble because he's going to be out for a while. All right? He may be done for the season. We don't know, but he's definitely going to be out for a while. So he kind of has to watch what he's doing because, uh, you know, how you look kind of, you know, you represent the team and here it is. You probably represent the team and, Looking like that, man. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. That's just. <laughs> All right.
So we'll move on. Um, let's see. Buck Tampa Bay at the Rams. Rams. I don't need to say nothing now. All right. And, boy, you talk about, did they get rid of their kicker? Cause the Rams. Did the Rams get rid of their kicker? Because they should have if they didn't. Uh, not sure. not, not the, not the he's one of the best kickers in the league. I mean, not not young Jeezy. I'm talking about um, uh, um, Tampa Bay. Oh, yeah. Well, I I didn't hear anything, but you know, he might be dating the owner's daughter or something. Okay. Uh, Ray, Seattle at Arizona. Um. Although Seattle didn't get the win Sunday, I believe that Seattle will be Arizona. So I'm picking Seattle. Kyler Murray, uh, I mean, he has the fan base excited. He runs around, has a lot of energy. He lucky, really wants to win. Unfortunately, he just hasn't been able to get it done yet. But that's going to be really big for that city if he can get a W at some point. But uh, like Ray, I don't think it's this week. And Buck Jacksonville at Denver. Wow. This is another tough game to pick. Um, however, you said Jacksonville at Denver? Yep. Okay. That, the only reason I'm picking Denver is because they're playing at home. Otherwise, I would be picking Jacksonville. Um, but um, I figured Denver got to get off the snide sometime. Why not now? I mean, they got Jacksonville coming in here. They're a little bit weak. Um, even though they put on a nice show in that last outing, um, I got to go with Denver at home because they hard to beat. Um, but if they don't win this game, mm, Denver in a little bit of desperation mode. Mm. All right. So let's see. Ray, Minnesota at Chicago. Should be an interesting game. Yeah, it should be. But I think I'm, I'm going to go with the Bears because, I mean, the Bears has a great defense, as does Minnesota. But um, Bears is at home, so I'm going to take the Bears. Okay. And, Buck, where are you going with that, one, with that game, Minnesota-Chicago? Yeah. Man, this game is really hard to pick, too. Um, but... I'm actually going to go with Minnesota simply because I think Minnesota has a better running game than, than the Bears, even though the Bears got a hell of a defense. They just – I know Trubisky lit it up the other night, but he's too sometimes. He's not he's not consistent enough. So, the defense will keep him in the game, but if the defense is on the field long, which they will be with Delvin Cook running that football, um, they're going to get their ass for it. So, we got to go with Minnesota. All right. And Ray, Dallas at New Orleans. Ray? Yeah. Dallas at New Orleans. Um, I'm, I'm going to take Dallas in this one. I mean, New Orleans is, is a tough team. I, see, I haven't seen enough of them with Teddy Bridgewater. To uh, to say that they can that that they can beat Dallas even at home, 
I mean, um, they surprised me by winning this past week. But um, I don't know. Dallas, that's going to be a lot to overcome them to the Cowboys. What you think, Buck? I got to go with the Cowboys. I ain't, I've never been sold on Bridgewater. So, um, especially now coming off, of, you know, I know he's coming off the bench and he looked good against Seattle. I was stunned that they actually won that game, too. But they ain't moving Dallas because Dallas looks like they they starting to look like they're in a different zip code as well. So hey, they ain't um, play I got nobody go yet though. And um, yeah, but they, they they play in New Orleans. Uh, I mean, without now if Drew Brees was in there, I would definitely say the Saints at home. But with Teddy Bridgewater, nah, I, I got to go with I got to go with the Cowboys on that. I don't know if um, Dallas has if they're two defensive linemen um, and, and Crawford and uh, uh, who am I forgetting? They'll come to me in a second. But they have two different two different interior defensive linemen who were hurt in the game against Miami, and um, I don't know if they're going to be back for this game. I definitely think if they if they're back, that will help. But I think this game is about can the Cowboys linebackers tackle Alvin Kamara. Seattle could not get that dude on the ground last week. He was breaking tackles. He was shaking folks. And if the Cowboys can tackle Alvin Kamara, I think they can win this game. Um, win this game, you know, without too much of a problem. But if that dude gets loose, then, man, they're going to be in for a long day. But um, I do think Dallas can win, and I think they can. They should be able to hold New Orleans under 20 points, which is why I think they can win. So, all right. Uh, Bucks, Cincinnati at Pittsburgh, Monday night. Since we're at home, and since we do need to win, I'm going to go ahead and pick us. Um, if Cincinnati was play, if we were playing in Cincinnati, if we were playing in Cincinnati, I'd probably pick Cincinnati in this one. Um, since both teams coming in 0-3, um, I think we, I mean, we always do well on Monday night. I'm just going with a trend here. I know we we down we put uh, Xavier Grimble on the injury reserve today too. So another reason why we picked up Vanette. So um, I got to go as a home. Um, we got to kind of get off the snide and get things rolling. I think we can do it Monday night. Ray, what do you think? Hold on, repeat that. What My wife think? is talking to me. Cincinnati at Pittsburgh. Ooh, man. I mean, Pittsburgh is going to be at home, but I think them guys are sliding. I mean, they ain't much to look forward to with Cincinnati. So I'm going to say, uh, yeah, I'm going, to, I'm going to pick Cincinnati. Wow, okay. <laughs> All right. So we'll see what happens with, with that. And... um in the meantime, I got some Who Am I's, and then afterwards, we probably have a little short, brief podcast discussion, but um, I got five Who Am I's for you. Y'all ready for them? Let's do it. Yeah. All right. First one. I am a five foot ten, 193-pound running back, drafted in the sixth round in 1991 by the New Orleans Saints out of Mississippi College. 51 years old. Who am I? Oh, man. Oh. Mississippi College is 
So he was a special team ace. Played ten years with the Saints, and he also played about five years with the Steelers. Um. Board number yeah. 25. Oh, I'm sure y'all know this one. Uh, Billy Sands? Yeah, no. No. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of a picture. Who this would be? Mississippi I know College. it was East Paul of Mississippi College, 51 years old. Um... Oh, go on. All right, well, we have to move on. The clock is ticking on this one. Uh, I was trying to think if I can give you a hint, but I can't even think of a good hint to give you for this guy. Buck, I thought you were known for his days with the Steelers. Number 25, he was a special teams guy. Um, running back, played with you all back um, between 95 and, and 98 during the Cordell Stewart era. But he played most oh. of his career in New Orleans. All right. Well, I know who so, it is. I just can't think of his name. The person we're looking for is Fred McAfee. Yep. Okay, no, nah, I wouldn't have got that. I know yeah. me, but I wouldn't have got that. Fred Lee McAfee. Yeah. All right. I am a six foot six, two 245-pound quarterback. Drafted in the third round in 2004 out of Virginia by the Atlanta Falcons. 38 years old. Who am I? Out of Virginia. Yep. Oh. He was back. Hey, you up said, to what year was he drafted? 2004. He was back up to Michael, Michael Vick. Vick. Then he got traded to Houston. And he's back in Atlanta playing now. Oh, shit. I know who oh, he is. I can't think oh, of oh, um, damn. He, he, went, he went to the Raiders, too, right? Yeah, yeah he, he did. Oh, yeah. man. Um, I can't think of that fool's name. Yeah, he made him some good backup money, too. Yeah, he made a lot of money. He, he, he made a lot of he, tons of money. He started quite a few. He started when he was in Houston, pretty much his whole yeah, life for seven years almost. Matt Schaub, that's his name. Yep, Schaub. Matthew yep. Rutledge Schaub. Rutledge. Matthew Rutledge Schaub. What the fuck? <laughs> I am a five foot six, one hundred and ninety pound running back. 36 years old, drafted in the fourth round in 2005 out of Kansas State by the San Diego Superchargers. Oh, um, Darren Sproles. Darren Lee Sproles. Three-time pro. Junior. (laughs) Two more. I am a 6'4", 228-pound quarterback, drafted in the third round. In the 2011 supplemental draft out of Ohio State by the Oakland Raiders. Oh, oh um, what's the name? The, the wide receiver. Jimmy Clough. Nope. No, the, the wide receiver. Um, damn, uh, boy. Wide receiver. Yeah, yeah, wide receiver. Uh, 
Damn. I don't know if he's playing for uh, right now. He played with Buffalo and the Jets. Nah, he he just got cut. Damn. Uh, I can I can see him too. We're out of Pennsylvania. Oh. Uh, yeah, man. What's the guy named? Uh, the black quarterback. Uh, Mr. Football. You know everything except his name. Um, yeah, I, I don't know why I can't call his name. Oh, man. Buck should know this, man. He's the man in Ohio State. Except Terrell Pryor, that's his name. Terrell Pryor, no middle name. Last one, six foot three, two hundred fifty-seven pound linebacker, forty-one years old. Drafted number two overall in two thousand by the Washington Redskins out of Penn State. Who am I? Oh, Lavar Arrington. Lavar Rashad Arrington. Very good. That's a good one. So, all right, well, fellas, that's going to wrap it up for this edition of Zone Coverage. And like I said, we'll chat a little bit in the podcast, but I appreciate you all coming on. Go to talktheq.com to get more information on the show. Sign up for the email newsletter so you can have the podcast delivered right to your inbox every single time. Everyone have a good night. Peace out. Hey, what up, Q? What up, Radio World? We got something to move tonight, and we start the whole fucking thing off. Help me, anything move, we knock out. Let's go. I am the greatest. Go play intramurals, brother. But they are who we thought they were. You play to win the game. You don't play to just play it. You play to win. Do you have any questions? I got a question. You got any excuses tonight, Roy? Playoffs? What are you talking about? Playoffs? You kidding me? Playoffs? I just hope we can win a game. Be a dog. We don't need no meows, we don't need no cats, we need more dogs. But we talking about practice, man. What are we talking about? Practice?